Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode number 12. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the podcast. I launched the RV Entrepreneur to be a resource for anyone who is trying to create a remote income while traveling full-time. In each episode, I sit down and interview people who live, work, and travel full-time in RVs as they run their remote businesses from all over the country and sometimes the world. Today, I'm interviewing adventure photographers and full-time RVers, Kathy and Peter Holcomb. By the way, adventure photographer is probably the coolest title ever. They're sponsored by companies like GoPro, Winnebago, and Jackson Kayaks, and their full-time business is taking epic photographs of people in some of the most beautiful places in the world. Last year, they spent over 170 days out of the year out on the water, kayaking, and taking photos. A few of the things we talk about today are how they got started taking adventure-related photography and what all goes into taking an amazing photo. Whether or not you need to go to college to get paid as a photographer, we also talk about how they were able to take a brick-and-mortar business and transition it into being on the road and how once they made the leap into living in an RV, they immediately started attracting more client opportunities. Today's episode is sponsored by Copilot RV, a navigation app that provides route planning and voice guidance designed specifically for RVers. And if you listen to episode number nine with Technomadia, this is one of their go-to apps for navigating on the road. And a quick backstory for why navigation apps are really important while you're out on the road is because a couple years ago, Alyssa and I were driving our RV towards New York City, and we accidentally took the wrong exit. The next thing I know, all these cars are honking at me and waving their arms at, up at me, and this guy waves for me to pull over, and he walks up and says, if you guys keep driving on this road, it is literally going to take off the entire roof of your RV. And sure enough, I look up, and there's a low clearance sign off in the distance. Oops. If you're driving your rig across the country, this should never have to happen to you. With the Copilot RV app, you just type in the dimensions and weight of your RV before taking off, and Copilot RV app will automatically calculate the best route for you to avoid narrow and height-restricted roads. The app that I've used most often on the road up until this point has been Google Maps, but the downside to Google Maps is that if I use it for an extended period of time, it can eat into my monthly data plan, and sometimes Google Maps will alert you with a quote-unquote one-minute faster route that puts me on tiny back roads where I'm knocking down limbs with our RV. This happens because Google Maps only considers the fastest route and not necessarily the size and width of the RV you are already driving. The Copilot RV will not only customize your routes to avoid sketchy back roads and low bridges, but it also comes with a fully offline navigation function. This way, you don't have to use your data while also using your maps. The Copilot app runs for $49.99, which is a fraction of the cost you pay for an expensive GPS system that doesn't conform to your vehicle's needs. Plus, for the next couple weeks, I've partnered up with a team at Copilot RV Apps to give away a free license to one of my listeners. If you want to be entered in to win a free license of the Copilot RV app, here's how you can do that. Go leave an honest review for the RV Entrepreneur in iTunes. You can do that by searching the RV Entrepreneur in iTunes and then click Ratings and Reviews to leave one. Then leave a comment on the show notes page for this podcast at heathpaget.com forward slash episode 12 to let me know that you've left a review. That's heathpaget.com forward slash episode spelled out and then the number 12. All right, let's get into today's show with Kathy and Peter Holcomb. Okay. I'm here with Peter, Kathy, and Abby Holcomb. They are adventure and life photographers who have been traveling all over the country in their Winnebago View, recently upgraded to 2016, I just found out. Since June of 2014, they're sponsored by companies like Winnebago, Jackson Kayaks, and GoPro, 
and take some of the most epic photos I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's no joke. Sometimes they are photographing professional kayakers for a magazine, and other times they are on adventures to create content for some of their commercial clients. Plus, their 11-year-old daughter, Abby, is more of an adventurer than I could ever hope to be. And I know that sounds like a joke, but it's 100% true. I literally just watched her y'all's YouTube video of her doing flips in her kayak. So thank you guys so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having us. This is great. (laughs) So right off the bat, can you guys describe to me what is your life right now and how did you get here? Our life. We are basically photographers and writers. We're basically storytellers. We came from doing a lot of wedding portrait and some commercial work and traveling a lot with that aspect of what we did. And we got to a point where we just decided that we're traveling so much. Why are, why are we bother coming home? We basically came back to our um, studio and our home in Boulder, Colorado. And we'd mow the grass. We'd check the mail. We'd be there for a day. And then we'd be off on the next thing. And so it, as we were driving home from one trip, Kathy's like, you know, what if we just got an RV and we just got rid of the house and all that overhead and that time going back and forth. And when we're in between assignments, we could just spend quality time in these places that we love. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, we've spent, you know, well over a decade building this business and this brick and mortar studio. And, um, you know, we have our big client base or in Colorado and da 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 da, you know, all the excuses that everybody makes. And uh, we debated that for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. And the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, maybe this isn't as crazy. Maybe this is something we should try. We kept coming back to that. We love the places we were, we were going, but we just didn't get to spend the quality amount of time there that we wanted. So eventually it just caught, caught on and we started looking at RVs and um, we looked at everything from class A's to little um, Sprinter vans, even doing a build ourselves in a Sprinter. And um, we kind of landed on the Winnebago view as being the perfect platform for us, um, having two dedicated beds and room to work and, and also very maneuverable and takes us into the places that we like to go, which are usually some pretty remote, out-of-the-way spots. Um, but we pushed off two years ago from Boulder. We sold our house. We, we kind of went full into the RV lifestyle. And it's been the best thing we've ever done. It's just been truly amazing. Wow. Go ahead, Kathy. Yeah, we spent about a year planning and trying to figure out if we could take our business on the road. And that was the big question mark. We didn't know anybody that was doing a wedding and portrait business on the road. And so we didn't really have any role models or anybody to talk to on that. So we were kind of pioneering new steps. And we had no idea if it was going to succeed or fail. And so we decided that we would just try it for a year. And if it didn't work, we could rebuild back where we were and settle back down. And we didn't know if it was going to work for Abby for school. She had always been in a regular traditional public school. And so we had some huge question marks going into this, but I'm happy to say that after two years on the road, we can't see any end in sight. Our business is booming, Abby's thriving in school, and we couldn't be happier. So it's been great. Man, one of my best friends is a uh, wedding videographer in Austin. We've done some second shooting for him 
And it seems like it's inherently a very much targeted business in one location. So were all of y'all's clients in Colorado or they kind of spread all over the country at that point? You know, we have always done a lot of destination portraiture and weddings. And what we do is we take our Colorado clients to amazing places and give them incredible experiences and photograph dramatic images there. And so it wasn't a huge leap to get our Colorado clients to go with us on the road. And so for the past couple of years, we've been meeting meeting them in just amazing places and creating beautiful images. So it was just more of a shift in our thinking than anything else. It hasn't really changed at all for our clients for the most part. And really being on the road has just allowed us to then grow our commercial work too. And so we started doing more and more commercial photography for these various outdoor type brands. And that's, that's just been great. I mean, um, that's something I've always really wanted to do, but it's kind of hard when you're, when you're um, stuck in one location. It's a big part of creating dramatic outdoor type images is just spending time in these awesome places, just kind of waiting for the light and the conditions and everything to be right. So being on the road has just given us that. I mean, we're spending every day in places that we want to be. And not only that, we get to go to these places at the best times of year. So we plan our whole year around where we want to be when and and the images that we can create at those times. So it's been really powerful. You guys have so much intentionality that goes into each one of those photos. I think now that, you know, I've got the iPhone 6S and I can go out and take a, a pretty good photo with it. But I'm looking uh, through your website and y'all's Facebook and uh, your blog and the intentionality that goes into taking each one of these photos, waking, waiting for golden hour is, I'm sure, an understatement for you because you're literally, you're not just waiting for something that happens twice a day, but you're actually going to these places in particular seasons because you want that perfect shot. Can you talk to me about the intentionality? Because I think people that are listening, they're thinking, oh, what does it take to become an adventure photographer <laughs> like Kathy and Peter? And I know you've been doing, you guys have been doing this for over 20 years. So talk to me about how much intentionality goes into some of your photos? Well, you know, photos happen kind of two ways. I should say good photos. Um, You know, you can certainly get lucky and pull off something that's just like, wow, that was just great, you know. And that certainly happens to all of us. And then there's also the type of photographs that you plan in your head and you, you can see exactly what you want. And sometimes you don't even know where that location is. You just, you see a picture in your head. Part of us traveling so much, it's, I'm always seeing different landscapes and places and thinking, wow, that would be great for this. And then as we get an assignment, when I'm talking to, say, an art director about what we want these images to look like, I've kind of got this database of places in my head. And then I can pull from that and say, okay, you know, being in Moab right now, I'd be like, yes, I got, there's this great spot where you see the Colorado River and it's in a canyon and we can put whatever here and we can create this very dramatic image in this place that I know. And that's really a big advantage for me as a photographer getting to spend time in all these places as I'm so familiar with them that when a need comes up, I can um, usually, I have a place in mind more than just a region, you know, a lot of photographers might say, yeah, let's go to Moab, but I can actually kind of spend so much time in these places that I know exactly like a pull out on the side of the road, or if we're accessing it by a river, I know a certain like slot canyon off the side of the river 
whatever it might be. It's just given us a lot of time in these places to come up with the most dramatic spots to pull these images off. And that's a lot of pre-visualization, if you will. But sometimes I'm working it from the other way around, you know. Um, I'm getting, I have a shot in mind, and I'm going to then draw off that database to get us to where we need to be to create that dramatic image. It's kind of weird how that works, but it, but it is really powerful when it, when it happens. I think the other part of it is we use studio quality lighting out on location. So we're bringing in big lights to sculpt what that image looks like. It's not just um, what's happening. We're, we're creating that dramatic feel to the images using all kinds of lighting with us. Yeah, I, I noticed that because I'm looking at some of the, the photos of your Winnebago, and you guys are also bloggers for Winnebago Life, as well as Alyssa and myself. And... Don Cohen, whenever he asked us to join the team, basically was like, you need to step up your photography go game. Go check out uh, Peter and Kathy. And so like, you guys are the first ones I was looking at. And I was just like, man, their RV looks so beautiful out there at sunset or in the morning. And do you set up some type of like KinoFlow lights or what are you guys actually using out there? To Oh, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. We do a lot of off-camera flash work. A lot of it's, you know, flashes. Every light's different, you know, and that's kind of the thing. I have this like toolbox, if you will, and then I'll draw for those tools to do whatever we need to do or whatever really my vision is for that image it's fun shooting the rvs especially shooting your own rv because i've been i've been photographing the vehicles that i travel in for a long time because i always see that's kind of a, a window into your personality is kind of the vehicles that people choose to travel just just their cars but let alone when somebody's traveling around and living in a vehicle it's even more of a reflection of their personalities i think and that's always been really interesting to me and so i always try to photograph my vehicles in the places that i really love being you know when a moment strikes me it's like wow this is just so great that i'm getting to spend time here and the light's perfect and it's just a beautiful evening or morning or whatever it is that's usually when i pick up a camera and i go out and create a personal you know image of my vehicle which sounds kind of weird but i do that a lot and it's really neat you know but that, but it could be um ambient light or it could be flash or it could be a lot of things just kind of depends on what I need to create that image. Lately, I've been doing a lot of night images, shooting our RV with kind of star trails or, or you know, stars, and then popping the, the rig in with flash. So it just depends. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, yes, I noticed something that you said on one of your behind-the-scenes interviews. I think maybe it was with Winnebago, but it's it's photographing not just what you did when you got to a really cool, cool location, but how you got there, uh, because that does say a lot, and I totally agree. I want to know, how, how do you guys balance? You're traveling around with Abby, and y'all are going to such cool places. And something I struggle with, we were in the Smoky Mountains and Hot Springs National Park and Park City, Utah in the past few weeks, just all these really epic places. And I'm with Alyssa and with friends and family in these, in these locations, and you're seeing such beautiful sights. How do you guys balance taking really cool photos with actually being present and enjoying what you're doing? I think actually creating images in those places forces us to be really present in what's happening all around us. You know, it really causes us to slow down and look around and take in everything that's happening around us. And, you know, sometimes we'll sit for an hour waiting for the light to get just right. And those are the really magical times when you're together as a family, taking it all in. And you're just looking around watching the sunset, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. So it actually forces us to slow down at times. 
the other times it does get a little crazy and we're running around, but I think it kind of naturally lends a balance to our lives. Yeah, I guess it's very different being, you know, just being stuck behind an iPhone and just snapping photos mindlessly versus what you guys do behind the lens where you're looking around and saying, what's the best story that we can tell in each particular location? Because then you really do have to be intentional. Exactly. And, you know, when we're photographing our adventures, like when we went backpacking in the Smoky Mountains, we probably normally would have done a two-day backpack trip. And because we were photographing and filming so much, we spread it out to four days. And so we were able to really slow the whole thing down and cover less miles in a day so that we could actually really look around and take in what was going on around us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of taking a step back and talking about the work that you guys do in general, photography, both for, you you said that you were doing weddings and portraits, like engagements, and I'm sure a lot of different other things before you guys got started. What has been the progression of clients that you guys have worked with over the years? And how has that evolved? Oh, wow. I guess it started out with, you know, friends and family. And uh, I've got a degree in photography, so I shot a lot of my schoolmates and stuff. All the way, um, gosh, I mean. We shot our first wedding in 2000. Yeah. And we, over the years that we photographed weddings, we really kind of found our niche photographing people that love beautiful places outdoors. You know, when we first started doing weddings, sometimes it was in big cathedrals in downtown Denver. And it ended up progressing into um, mountain venues with, outdoor enthusiasts and people that just love beautiful places as much as we do. And so our wedding clients changed that way over the years and our portrait clients did as well. It was people sometimes that would want to go someplace they had never been based on a picture that we showed them to have an adventure in a new place. And think over the years, our client base has become a lot like us, people that love going to extraordinary wild places for our wedding and portrait clients. And our commercial clients, gosh, again, I guess it's commercial clients that we love. It's brands that we love. So we've always paddled Jackson Kayak, and now we work for Jackson Kayak. And the same thing um, with, like, Goal Zero is one of our clients. And we use their solar power products to make our lives better. And so it's just a natural fit. Yeah, it's funny how things come together. You know, once once you commit to something things start to happen and you might not always have them happen in the way that you've envisioned in your head, but it's amazing. Once we got in the RV, so many new doors opened because we closed our old brick and mortar storefront door. And that's been probably one of the most exciting parts of this is just all the opportunities that pop up from this life in an RV. It's been amazing. And it's really been what we've dreamed about forever. We were just too scared to do it. And so once we did it, it's, it's just been so empowering. It's wonderful. Can you even imagine not having made this leap? I mean, looking at the experiences that Abby has gotten and that you guys have had as a family, if you think back to a couple years ago, if you hadn't left, is it almost depressing to think about that? Oh, yeah. I think it would have been a terrible waste of our time. And our, um, also, just we look at it, I look at it as time with my daughter. And I could have been um, probably with a pretty normal family situation is. You know, the father's off working, he's going away on business trips, and he's traveling, and he's not with his family. And he's making those sacrifices to provide, you know, for the family. 
but it's we feel so blessed that we can provide and spend time together every day and be in these amazing places having these incredible experiences. I mean, that's just, it's incredible. And we, we hope that we can inspire other families to see this and maybe find their own path to, to living that same type of life for themselves. And we were so concerned about damaging Abby by pulling her out of public school. I mean, everybody asked, oh my gosh, are you going to homeschool? What are you going to do? How do you know? We know traditional education, but what is this online school that you're talking about and how's that going to impact her and what's she going to be like socially? And we were really, really worried about that. And what we found is that her online school is great. She does speak done online. It's a division of K-12. And uh, the curriculum is challenging. I think she's probably, well, she skipped a grade in English and math. And so she's being challenged. She's going at her own pace. But it's the things that have happened outside of school that have really been extraordinary. She got to captain a 78-foot sailboat (laughs) in the Florida Keys. And she's been able to go out with, a geologist and pan for gold on the rivers and she actually found gold and you know all of these incredible things that she's been able to do beyond school that never would have happened any other way that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to somebody who is just starting out and trying to realize whether or not they can finance this type of career for themselves what were some of the obstacles that you guys had to overcome early on when you were just getting started because there's so many people they don't like their job. And growing up, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And I vividly remember adults telling me, well, what's your backup? What's your real plan? <laughs> because it's just not a typical thing. And that gets to you. And I remember that so vividly. And that maybe that's because they just didn't like what they were doing. But what would you say to somebody who's saying, hey, I want to be an adventure photographer, and somebody else is out there saying that's not going to happen? Yeah, um, you got to listen to yourself. If, if you want to do it bad enough, it'll happen. And I, I feel that's so true. And um, there's always going to be somebody that tells you that it's a bad idea or you just plain out, you know, it's not going to happen. But you never know if it's going to happen until you try. And um, if you try really hard, you can make anything happen. So, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. But for us, luckily, my parents were always really supportive of me being a photographer. My dad was a photographer. It didn't end up being his ending, you know, career path. He got into aviation, but he was always into photography. And I grew up with a dark room in the house. And so when I went to school and decided to switch majors as photography, you know, they thought that was great. But I know a lot of parents don't feel that way. So I think it's just that simple, though. I mean, if you really feel like you can do something, you owe it to yourself to at least give it a full effort. And sometimes it takes a while. You know, I, I definitely, my photography career didn't just take off right out of college. I did a lot of things. But I always I always knew where I wanted to be and um, what I wanted to do. And I just slowly chipped away at it and worked towards that. And here we are. You know, we have failed thousands of times in our business. And I think the reason that we have success is because we completely refuse to quit. We've been knocked down time and time again, and we just keep changing (laughs) what's gone wrong and picking ourselves up and charging forward with that same energy that we've always had to make this work. As far as moving into the RV, the number one thing that has made this not so stressful is we started out with absolutely no debt. So we had money in the bank and no debt 
no expenses. We don't have any payment. And that has been the best thing that we did because if we have a bad month or something like that, it's not a big deal. We have our cell phone payment and that's it. So I would absolutely recommend starting it without payments and without debt if it's at all possible because that has really made it a great experience for us. We we considered keeping our house in Boulder and renting it and you know, because real estate in Colorado is, is on the upswing for sure. And we left some money probably um behind that, you know, if we would have done that, we maybe would would have had a lot more equity by now. But we also thought, well, you know, what if something big goes wrong with the house and we got to then pay for that and then we're, you know, on the road. For us, the, the peace of mind of just selling the house and doing our thing debt-free was huge. And I think that's really been a big success because it would have been easy to have one catastrophic thing happen and then us have to, well, okay, we got to go back, we got to deal with this and this is just too hard. But um, the way we ended up this all working out, I think, has just been the recipe for our personal success. And it's allowed us to take bigger risks. If we would have had debt or a house payment or any of that, we probably would have been more reluctant to take some of the risks that we've had that we've done to make this business grow so much over the last few years. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that once you guys kind of, for lack of better words, burned the bridges behind you uh, by selling the house and hitting the road, that you had more opportunities come your way. What were those opportunities? And do you think that actually becoming full-time, quote-unquote, adventurers by living in an RV, it has helped you guys connect more with your clientele base? You know, these people are inherently adventurous people if they want to take engagement photos or in the mountains or on a kayak and, you know, whitewater rafting and things yeah. like that. Well Here's probably the best example of how that typically goes down for us. We bought our Winnebago, um, gosh, what was it, May? We bought it three days before we left. We Our house was already sold, and, <laughs> and we, we moved quickly into our Winnebago. And so we'd spent a month or two in it, and then we went to the outdoor retailer trade show in Salt Lake City. It's a big um, outdoor industry event. And we're there, you know, talking to some of our, you know, commercial clients and having meetings and stuff. And in the brochure that tells kind of who all's there, I see Winnebago. I was like, well, we need to go over there and just tell them how much we're loving our view. And so it wasn't like we, we had no ideas of even doing photography for them. This was just purely us swinging by their booth and it's going to give them a testimony of like, we love our Winnebago view. It's been the best thing we can imagine. And so we walk up and they have a Brave on display there. And we're like, oh, cool, the Brave. This is so awesome. We go in, we're looking around. We're like, you know, we're like any other RVers at an RV show. Just our eyes are wide open. We're just like checking it out. And uh, the gal there that was um, representing Winnebago, we started talking. And we're just like, gosh, you know, we just moved into this Winnebago view. It's so amazing. It's taken us to all these great places so far, and we're going to do this full-time adventure out of it. You know, we were just getting started at that point. And um, one thing led to another, and we started talking and telling about our life and lifestyle. And she's like, wow, you guys you guys have a really neat story. Do you, would you mind if I shared that with someone? And I don't even think she knew who that was. But like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we, we're happy to give you guys any kind of testimony. And so a couple of weeks went by, maybe even a month, and we get a call from Don Cohen, the Go Life editor. And Don was intrigued by our lifestyle and what we were doing. And we started talking more. And then he told us about the the Go Life blog. And then um, that's basically turned into us, you know, being um, 
contributors to that and doing a lot of the, the, the in-the-field photography for Winnebago. And so, you know, little weird things like that. We never dreamed we'd be photographing RVs. You know, that was never, like, in our business plan. But it's been really cool because now we find that we've kind of got this experience with RVs and traveling around, living in them, that it, it gives us the ability to tell the story of what makes a really cool RV image. So we kind of, it's funny how you put all your skills together in your life. You gather all these little experiences and traits and skills, and then boom, one day, something comes up that just requires everything that you know to put the whole package together. And that's basically what happened. And usually those things, at least from my experience, they pop out of the woodwork. And I'm, it's usually when I'm halfway through a project, I realize that there's no way I could have done the same project, you know, five years before because I wasn't ready. And that's exactly what happened with Winnebago. So this has happened with a lot of other companies, you know, that we work with for commercial photography. It's, it's been really organic and, and pure in that it's a passion that we have and a skill that we can offer them. And it's just a real symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I, I seen you guys have several different sponsors and I was actually going to ask about that. So that's a great segue. How did those all come about? Was it similar to how the Winnebago thing happened? You just, you know, you really love their products and I'm sure you, pro- you guys are probably probably gotten approached by other companies as well. Has there been opportunities that y'all have declined because there just wasn't a fit? Oh, certainly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons things do and don't work out. But yeah, you know, we, we find that we're the most successful, just like I said a second ago, about the, the things that we're the most passionate about and have the most experience with. So that tends to be the companies that we work with. Jackson Kayak is the same way. We're, we're avid kayakers, maybe even obsessive kayakers. <laughs> And, uh, and we know the Jackson family, and we built a geez, relationship with them over, geez, five, six, seven years of kind of seeing them around different places and doing little photography assignments for magazines and things like that. And now they've become really great family friends of ours, and um, we spend a lot of time with them on the road to various parts of the year. You know, other companies, you know, it just works out that there's a need and a, a line of communication gets opened, and, and we find out kind of what we can do for them, and then um, hopefully it works into something that, you know, becomes long-term. It's really that, that simple. How do you guys actually manage your travel schedule at this point from location to location? Is it purely dependent on what clients are going to be where or if there's um, maybe some of the, the Jackson family going to be in a certain location or how do you guys approach that? So this year we are on a 40-stop national park tour. And so, gosh, over a year ago, we we knew that the centennial of the Park Service was in 2016 and we have spent so much time in parks for years and years and years and we wanted to take Abby to them anyway. And so we thought that the centennial would be the perfect opportunity. And so we actually laid out a schedule for the whole entire year, going to over 40, they're mostly national parks, some are monuments or BLM or something like that. And then the adventures that we wanted to do in those parks, so climbing or kayaking or mountain biking or whatever it is. So we actually have the whole year laid out and we're already looking forward to 2017 to see what we want to do that's going to be amazing for 2017. So we plan really far in advance. Now, of course, there are detours along the way and things come up and we have to modify it, but we actually plan things pretty far in advance. Yeah, you guys barely stay at RV parks and things like that. Can you talk to me about <laughs> Vios' philosophy on where you find places to camp? Yeah, we, we do a lot of boondocking. And I mean, 
we, we've always done that. It really comes from the places that we really want to be. There's not an obvious, you know, um, RV park or campground a lot of the time. Sometimes there is. I think our first year, we only spent 20 nights in an RV park, and the rest wow. was in wild places. And so, you know, whenever we're traveling across the country and we just need a place to sleep for the night, we'll just pull in wherever's convenient on the way. But for the most part, we love being the only person where we are. So we look for really out-of-the-way spots where we can spend time. And a lot of times it's on the bank of a river where we want to kayak or on the side of a cliff where we want to climb, you know, at the base of the cliff. So it's the adventures that we're on kind of dictate where we stay. And how do you guys find a lot of these places? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, we have solar in our RV and that really helps with power and not being plugged in. We, we try to run our generators as little as possible, but, you know, occasionally we'll need to crank up the microwave or something. So we'll start it up a little bit at a time. But it's it works really good for us. And that's part of what we liked about the Winnebago views. It gives us the freedom to get into some little niche kind of places. Um, we're not too long. We, we do use the Allstays app whenever we're um, kind of boogieing across the country. It helps us find, you know, rest areas or things like that to stay in. But really, we're looking at guidebooks and um, Google Earth a lot. Google Earth, just looking for remote places where we can boondock. Yeah, we'll be we'll be driving across the country sometimes and it's getting late. Especially out west, this is a lot easier to do in the west than the east. But we'll pull up Google Maps, Google Earth, and, you know, scroll ahead down the highway like 20 miles. And then you can look on there and you might find a big lot somewhere or a field or something like that that seems like a good place to park for the night. And we'll use that. We'll just... Uh, gosh, probably nine times out of ten, that works beautifully. Um, we'll just pull in, and there's a great place just to spend the night, and then you keep on going the next day. That's awesome. I'm almost ashamed to admit that Alyssa and I have hardly done any boondocking. Well, we've done quite a bit of boondocking just in driveways and uh, things like that or in you know, random places. But as far as just going and using the Allstays app and, and just staying in random places, that's just not something – we have done a lot of, and a little bit of is probably just fear on my part of the unknown. Yeah. And I know that sounds really lame. I just haven't, I just need to break out there and do it. And plus our old rig, we just, we weren't self-sufficient at all, but our, but our new one is. So just hearing you guys talk about this is, is encouraging, inspired me to want to get out there out of my comfort zone and just do it. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's fun. It, it lets you sometimes from really neat places, you know? And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. It's so neat being the only person that you can see on your whole periphery um just out there taking it in whatever it is the mountains or the sunset or whatever and then you know the neat thing about an rv is you close your blinds at night and you're home <laughs> it feels the same no matter where yeah. you are i can't tell you how many mornings abby's woken up and said okay now where are we today <laughs> yeah later we end <laughs> I remember when we first hit the road, we were just going, driving around like crazy people, just going from state to state. And, you know, I thought that it was probably normal to forget sometimes what city you're in. But I I would legitimately do the same thing as Abby. I'd wake up and be like, babe, what state are we in? I just, you know, there's that 10 seconds of just waking up. You hadn't had my coffee where I was like, I would legitimately forget. Yeah. And everybody, everybody says, you know, home is where you park it. And I know that's probably the most cliche thing. But it's so true because you literally do feel like you're in your home wherever you are, no matter what state, you have that comfort. You don't, at least I personally don't get really that homesick. I miss my family and things like that, but, and, and good Mexican food, but I don't necessarily get homesick. <laughs> 
we're with you on the Mexican food thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we know exactly what you mean. And that's kind of fun. You know, you wake up, you're like, am I in Colorado? No, I'm in Utah. Oh, oh cool, I'm in Utah. <laughs> I'm going to the canyons today. <laughs> I love it. Go in, go in kind of deep for a second, and then we'll wind down. I want to know, what does success look like for you guys in this lifestyle, both for yourselves, your marriage, Abby, y'all's family as a whole, and the work that you do you know, if you can say in X number of years, Abby's in college or graduated and you guys are looking back at your career, what do you want it to have looked like and meant? I want, I guess I want it to look like um, an awesome travel adventure movie. I want it to be something that, that when I look back at it, I'm thinking, wow, that's the kind of life I want to live. And really that's it. Our work supports our passions. And I know a lot of people see it the other way around, but we first and foremost, you know, want to live the life that we want to live and we want to do work that supports that. And we're just blessed to be, you know, photographers and writers and that just kind of feeds into what we do. But I think first and foremost, you know, I want, I want us to always feel like we didn't skimp on the quality time together. We got to go and spend the time in these amazing locations that we love. And, you know, when Abby's older, I want her to look back and think, wow, I've got this amazing set of skills and memories and, and be able to go and do these same things with her family. That's really what I want. And, and that's success to me. It's not about money. It's not about fancy cars or whatever. It's about spending the time with, your, with whoever it is you want to be. I mean, if you're not married, it could be a girlfriend. It could be your friends. In our case, it is my family. Spending that time doing the things we want to do and not feeling like there's anything pulling us away from that. Yeah, I love that. I think for me, I want Abby to see that we very carefully thought through what was important to us and what we wanted this life to look like. We didn't let anybody dictate what it was supposed to be. We based it on the things that we love and live the life that we want to. And sometimes it's really hard and we have to work like crazy to make it happen. But in the end, I want her to see that we set our own terms, we work super hard, and that anything is possible. And if we can give her that, I think it'll be a big success. And the time together in the amazing places, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I remember growing up and hearing so many people say the worst advice ever, which was do what I say, not what I do. And you guys are trying to show Abby to do what we do. If you want, you guys aren't just telling her to go out and live an adventurous life. You're showing her what that looks like. That's so amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun for us, too. So <laughs> <laughs> we get to spend every day with our kiddo. What a blessing that is. <laughs> yeah. And if somebody wanted to get into photography right now, obviously there's a million different online resources. Do you think that it's still necessary to get a college degree for photography? And if not, where can people go out and learn how to do what you guys are doing? You know, I think I think if you have enough drive and passion, you can learn anything you want with or without a, a university. But I do think in a university setting, you learn a lot of things that you maybe don't even know that you need to know. You know, it, it's just a, a lot more broad look at photography and working as a photographer. I think you can go either way. I I've certainly have a lot of photographer friends that aren't formally educated as a photographer. 
and they're doing great stuff, making incredible images. But I think that's the biggest thing I learned in school. My background's um, as a fine art photographer, so I was through the art school, and I really learned a lot about how to think about art and how to um, critique yourself and how to the really the finer point. But then there's also things that I really, you know, in school didn't have any interest in learning, and they taught me that stuff, and then I look back on it in my career, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know about that. I, I, I've learned about that. I have some experience with that. And so those those things have come in really handy that I think if I was self-taught, I wouldn't have known that sort of information. But um, I think you can go either way. The internet's a powerful thing nowadays, and you can certainly hunt down about anything you want to learn, especially in photography online. There's a lot of great information. But I think the biggest thing is finding some mentors, finding um, people that can help you, that can you know, give you direction. Learning the business side of photography is a huge thing because there's so many creative people that can't balance a checkbook and don't know how to charge appropriately for photography. And it's really hard to turn that into a business and a living if you aren't doing those aspects correctly. I think it just depends on the person. It's certainly, um, if you have the means, formal education can certainly make it a little easier. And if you don't, surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do, and eventually you will be able to do it too. That's good advice. Do you guys have any tips for people on just how to charge for photography? If you guys are open to it, I'd love to hear how y'all approach that. And I know I'm sure that's changed so much over the years, but y'all have more long-term contracts, I'm assuming, or relationships with some of these companies. So it's it's very different now. It's wildly varying, and it really depends on on what you're doing, how much time's involved, how much equipment's involved. We actually have a three-day workshop coming up in um, the Bay Area on May 2nd where we're teaching people how to do exactly these things. So that would be the best way to come and learn about lighting and photography and how to run a successful business. It's a three-day intensive of the Holcomb School of Thought. You can find it on our website or just let us know about it. But that would be probably my first recommendation. It's called a Transformations Workshop, and it's building the photography business of your dreams. I love it. I'll, uh, I'll link up to that in the show notes, so I'll get a link from you guys for that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just want to do a quick Q&A to wrap up here at the end. Why did you guys decide to go with the Winnebago view? It was funny. As we're... We didn't know anything about RVs. I mean, we'd, we'd camped out of all kinds of vehicles, but never an RV. About one side of an RV. We rented one. Um, but we started going around at the RV dealers, you know, just looking at everything. And at multiple dealers, we kept hearing these salespeople say, when we look at a Winnebago, they're like, okay, this, this is a Winnebago. This is really, this is done right. This has the mounts for the refrigerator and the metal and the plumbing is ran you know, up through the body of the RV. And they basically said that, you know, a lot of the other companies will skimp on things, but the Winnebago's don't. I heard the same thing. We heard that over and over. And we're like, wow, well, I, I guess we want a Winnebago then, you know, we don't want it to be skimped on. And then we started looking at all sorts of class Ds. Kind of thought that was the good combination of maneuverability, gas mileage, room, everything that we kind of needed. That was a, a the best compromise. And so we're looking at like the, the Ford base van class C's and they seem pretty nice. And there's a lot of options there. And then we saw a sprinter based one, you know, a view. I think it's actually a Navion, you know, Navions and the views are basically identical. And we went and we inside one and we couldn't believe how awesome the interior was. It looked like a little French apartment or something. It had just beautiful lines and, and um, 
stylish, the cabinetry and then all the features were just like, wow, this is great. We can, we can appreciate just the aesthetic of the inside. And then we're like, well, we can take this thing for a drive. And we went and drove it. And just in 10 miles of being on the road, I felt like I was driving an oversized minivan. I mean, it really drove so well. I was like, I feel like I can take this about anywhere I want to go, barring the roughest four by four roads that maybe we go to sometimes. But anywhere else, this thing is going to be great. You know, I have no issues. <laughs> I'm parking it in city streets and going down, you know, little dirt roads here and there and the places we go to get to the river. It's going to be awesome. We also loved that it had a cab over bed and we've got the J floor plan. So it's got the bed in the back in the corner. And that was another big thing. After traveling around so much, we knew that we didn't want to have to deal with making a, you know, folding out a bed every night and then putting it away every day. We wanted to have dedicated beds. So we saw the J floor plan. We're like, wow, this is great. We've got living space with the dinette. We've got two dedicated beds. We've got all the kitchen storage facilities we need. Bathroom. I mean, this is awesome. So quickly thereafter, we, we basically settled in that it was going to be a viewer and Navion. We bought our first rig used and um, started searching online. I realized, wow, these are quite a bit more expensive than, you know, some of the other Class C options. But the mileage is so much better. Um, we pull a trailer full of kayaks behind us. And even pulling a trailer, I was getting better gas mileage than I was in my previous full-size pickup. Um, wow. And I'm pulling a trailer and an RV that, you know, we can live in. So, you know, we're getting... Anywhere from 13 to 16, 17 miles per gallon in our view. And that just blows my mind. You know, I think of all the years I drove a, a big pickup and I got, you know, 11, 10, maybe 12 if I was going downhill with the tailwind. And so it's just been great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And what do you, you guys are uploading a lot of photos and media online after shoots, I'm assuming. Yeah. What are you guys using for internet right now and how many gigs per month and things like that? <laughs> so... We're lucky in that we... we, we grant- You're going to tell me that you have unlimited Verizon plan, aren't you? Well, AT&T. <laughs> so we grandfathered <laughs> okay. into that, which which does all of our like cellular data and stuff. And then we also have a hotspot that we have 40 gigs a month. And um, we use that a lot for Abby's school. And then, you know, when I'm really working with high-resolution images, I usually just have to find a place with Wi-Fi to do uploading if I'm delivering images to a client or something. Um, just, I, I could, I could pull it off in a pinch on our hotspot, but it definitely will kind of cramp us for the month with our, um, allotment. But, um, yeah, you know, we find libraries and coffee shops and, you know, all the normal places people ferret out Wi-Fi. In but, fact, um, right now we're sitting outside the Moab Public Library getting ready to go to work for the day. So, um, we use, we use <laughs> libraries a lot. <laughs> gotcha. You guys are, y'all, y'all been running your own business for a long time. Has y'all's health insurance changed or did y'all get some type of traveler's insurance for being on the road? Um, our health insurance is the same as when we were in Colorado. So hasn't changed much. Yeah. No. I just I just ask because that's something a lot of people are kind of curious about for transitioning into traveling full time. Yeah. So. We're we're always looking for other options with health insurance, but um right now we're just kind of doing what we've always done. So and our, our health insurance doesn't work very well on the road. So for doctor's visits and things like that, we just do cash pay wherever we are. And then, you know, we kind of have it for big 
catastrophic thing. So, but generally, just doctors' visits we pay cash for is kind of the way it works. We're pretty healthy, so we aren't really okay. spending much time with doctors. <laughs> this is my last question. What's y'all's favorite app that you guys use while traveling? Wow, um, I have to pick one. Ah, uh, you can pick a couple. Yeah, yeah I sure. mean, all stays have been great for us. We've been consistently pleased with it. I like the Stitcher app, just staying in touch with news and um, my favorite podcast. That's been really cool. Those are my two favorites, I guess. I have a Google, Google um, Earth and um, Google Map. I use a lot. There's four. What kind of podcasts do you listen to on the road? Oh, I listen to a lot of adventure podcasts and um, different things. Probably one of my favorite I've listened to for a long time is a podcast called The Dirtbag Diaries. And it's kind of an Okay, I've heard of Yeah, that. it's kind of an adventure travel podcast. I think they do a great job and they always get us inspired for our next adventure. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again so much for being on the show. Y'all are living an amazing life and it's inspiring because Alyssa and I have we've went to all fifty states, but We've barely skimmed the surface. I mean, we've jumped around so much. And just researching you guys before we got to talk, I followed y'all on Instagram for a while, just looking at your epic photos. But once I, I dug even more, I can honestly say that it makes me really inspired because I feel like there's an entire country that I haven't gotten to see yet because of all the amazing things that you guys are documenting and sharing for people. So thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. It's a dream. Well, we hope we get to meet up with you guys somewhere along the road and go on an adventure together. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And well documented. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. To grab the show notes and some of the links we mentioned in this episode, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 12. That's episode spelled out and then the number 12. Also, if you want to enter the contest for the RV Copilot app that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can be a part of the contest by leaving a review for the RV Entrepreneur Podcast in iTunes and then dropping a comment into the show notes page just to let me know that you've left a review. And I'll be picking the winners for that this coming week. I'll see you guys on the next episode of the RV Entrepreneur. 